Welcome to Protoss, a podcast series for those who are motivated to explore and understand more about the kingdom. Here are your hosts, Wayne and Steve. In our last podcast, we reviewed the work of a Christian blogger who cited nine reasons why paid employees, including pastors, would be leaving the church, and most of them were rather negative. We will be continuing that discussion this week, and we will be referring to the last episode. If you haven't done so, go back and have a listen to it now. So 500 years ago, Martin Luther tackled the distinction between clergy and the laity, and yet that still seems to be an issue, Wayne. Uh, Very much, Steve. Evangelical, Protestant, Catholic, Pentecostal. The clergy are paid and overly honoured. The laity need to follow, as our previous blogger had mentioned. Really, there should be no distinction. There's no biblical distinction between clergy and laity. Maybe we need a new word to encompass everyone. Yeah, maybe clergy. (laughs) It's better than lurgy. (laughs) Yeah, lurgy may not go down well at the moment. (laughs) They have been interesting points to reflect on. I think we could probably evolve some points from our perspective that might highlight why it's actually a positive for people sometimes to leave the church. And in fact, in the right environment, churches would celebrate those people leaving. We're looking at this particularly in the context of paid pastors, paid staff members. But I think the first positive, and these, these really are drawn from my journey in and out of paid staff. I've worked half-time voluntarily for churches whilst running a business or whilst having a job. I think the first positive for me about being an ex-paid staff member is that I can refocus on the kingdom as the outcome and not on the church. We have to keep reminding ourselves, I think we've already mentioned, that the church is not the Father's mission. The mission is heaven on earth and churches are meant to be a strategy. And like all strategies, it needs to be reviewed to ensure the effectiveness is there. I come to a point where I needed to ask myself, is my paid staff role the most effective way I can help others to enter the kingdom? And my answer was no. Right. <laughs> That's clarity. <laughs> clarity, yes. We have to remember that Jesus told the Pharisees that they were preventing people from entering the kingdom. Yeah, that's a very good point. That point highlights that religious practices that are intertwined with church cultures may be making it difficult for the staff member even to help people to enter the kingdom. And I think even some of these behaviours we're not aware of, like all cultures that we get involved with, we don't question until we have something to question with. We accept the prevailing culture. I think every local church has many layers of culture that drive behaviours that are just taken for granted. And if a staff member, a paid staff member, actually leaves a church and they're following what they believe is their calling, they're going to be more free to let God bring that increase. Yeah, I think this is an important second benefit. When we're involved with an an organisation, any organisation, there can be a pressure to see numerical growth, whether it's a business or a church, whether we're running a whole church or a department or a group. Growth is the indicator of spirituality in many places. It becomes the goal. And in some places, I've been in these places and I've listened to these stories that numbers are lied about. In a church environment, as far as um, congregation numbers, is that yeah, what we're talking about? Exactly. Wow. One of the ways people lie about it is just by not culling their attendance lists. And if you've attended <laughs> there once, we'll count it. We'll count it. Oh, brother, I've got 5,000 in the church. Well, there's only 140 turning up on a Sunday. But when I say lie, it's just once on the list, always on the list. Right. Don't touch that list. <laughs> the scripture clearly says that we should focus on planting and watering. Paul said this 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and let God bring the increase. 
If we don't have a pressure to justify our value with numerical increase, we can more simply focus on obedience. What is God asking me to plant? What is he asking me to water? And let him work out the increase of that. And, of course, if culture of our environment is the goal, we can measure that as well. Absolutely. It doesn't mean we become unfocused. We just have a different focus. We're after behavioural change. That's the real vision of kingdom mission. Very good. Now, I think a third point from our perspective is we can consider our understanding of what Jesus actually meant by the word church when he said he would build his church in Matthew 16. This became a real focus for me in my journey. We tend to label a church some organisation that has a building, it has a service, it has church in the title, has tax exemption. If they've got those things, it's a church. But what did Jesus actually mean? Relooking for me at Matthew 16, my conclusion is that as churches is any group of believers who come together for the advancement of the kingdom. I think the second point for me, Steve, is really looking at what Jesus did. In Luke 8, he effectively had a church, a group of people that came together to extend the kingdom. They had no paid staff, Mm. no facility, no programs, but it was an ecclesia, or ecclesia. It was a group of believers come together to extend the kingdom. And this, to me, is a better template for church as a starting point because we take these paid staff, facility and programs as a given. He didn't have any of them. So it's a bit like the underground churches we see growing around the world today. Most people will be aware underground churches grow faster. Now, people say that's because of persecution. Well, how does persecution change their operation? It causes them to have a decentralised leadership structure, more empowerment. I mean, this to me is probably the biggest key and biggest reason. And that can also exist in families, it can exist in businesses, and it can exist in missing groups. Absolutely. I think we're more free to have more informal expressions of church as ex-staff members. We should be proud of it. We shouldn't be feeling embarrassed when people say, which building are you turning up to? No, (laughs) it should be the question should be, how are you getting together with others to extend the kingdom? That's the real question of church to me. That's a very good question, actually. I'm moving on to another point now. People leave the church and it's almost like, well, they're dead to me. But the point is our gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, and that was in Romans 11.19. So because someone's moved on doesn't mean they've left their gifts or their calling. This is such an important thing for ex-pastors, ex-paid staff members to realise, as all ex-leaders of structurally oriented churches, is that the gifts and calling are irrevocable. And so we can tend to think, well, this church was providing my opportunity to express the gifts and calling on my life, but we still have them. Now, there's a third aspect of God's vision for our life called the appointing, and that is not irrevocable. We might be leaving because we have a different appointment, a different assignment, if you like, a different arena to express those gifts and calling. And so we need to, as ex-staff members, boldly go into the future knowing we're still called. We still have that same calling we've always had. We still have the same gifts. We just need to be dialoguing with God about how that expresses itself and what doors is he opening, where is he leading me to express those things. Yeah, where am I now being appointed to? Yeah, and it it can look entirely different. It might not be as prominent. It might not look as successful in human terms. You might not be able to look at a building or a group. But remember, we're in an invisible kingdom here. We're working towards something which can't be seen. If we're always taking our measures and our encouragement from what is seen, then we're not really quite on track. 
I've got to share another observation, and that is pastors quite often who leave paid staff positions will generally have more engagement with people outside the church as opposed to in that particular church congregation. I think this is one of the things that drove my first resignation. <laughs> I'm an experienced resigner from church and proud of it. Church staff, that is. You have to put that on your resume. <laughs> I was frustrated by the internal focus. In leading my own church, I had actually quite a lot of opportunity to engage outside, and I did it deliberately. But coming into a, someone else's culture, I was forced, required to focus internally. And that left little time, no time for the community. And so that can be true not just for paid staff members but mm. for key leaders and others who just get busier and busier and they don't have time to interact with those outside which is the reason why we're called in the first place ironic <laughs> that goes for congregation members as well absolutely and so jesus talks parables of the kingdom he doesn't talk about parables of the church and one of the parables of the kingdom is that we're like leaven and if leaven doesn't come in contact with the meal no bread yep so if all the leaven gathers together and, and says, oh, you're a nice-looking leaven, then what's the purpose of leaven in the first place? Spot on. It's like a jar of yeast in the fridge. It just sits there in the jar. It doesn't do anything. Correct. Now, ex-paid staff members can live a spiritual life that is even more authentic to them when they leave a church. Within any local church or denomination, there's a particular way of doing things, a particular set of meetings. There's planned and structured spiritual expressions that as an individual you're required to participate in as a part of your responsibilities. Your face needs to be seen there. If you're not there, well, why should other people come? You're paid uh, to be there. You're paid to be there, in effect. And in the course of time you go, why am I doing this? Am I at this prayer meeting because I want to pray? Or am I at this prayer meeting because I'm required to do so? So you have all these requirements for spiritual expression. You can't question because it's a part of your role expectation. It may not be the way you're wired or structured to really connect with God in a meaningful way. And so when you leave that paid role, you have more freedom to find your own niche, if you like, with God, with your own relationship again, your own expression, the way you talk to him. Prayer becomes more private. And we know from Matthew 6 that private prayer is answered, public prayer not so much. You get more answered prayer. It's a bit of a sub point from this, I find. It's that one-on-one -on -one relationship. It's more authentic. It's more out of desire than out of role expectation. I found myself, to be honest, terribly bored at church prayer meetings. It just didn't suit me to be in a community, in a group of people trying to pray better prayers than the next person. Now, it's possible even that ex-paid staff members can experience a boost in their development of their faith as well. Yes, we're up to point seven. This has certainly been my experience. Now, this is not only true for paid church staff members, but every time we get a wage, that's quite a secure income. It can be very secure in church life. Church's giving gets very predictable. Budgets are set. If you're a smart budgeter, you leave a bit of margin, so ups and downs doesn't affect people because the people are important and their livelihoods. And really, if you're doing a poor job, well, you're probably going to stay in the job longer anyway than in most places. And so you're going to get paid or not. If you do a really great job, you're not going to get paid anymore. There's no bonuses. Like, right. hey, tick, more healings this week, tick, more money. And so the whole conversation you have as an individual about your money with God just goes into the background. And I have found leaving that environment and going into a business environment, starting off from scratch, going, well, where's the next dollar coming from? How's finance generated? What does God want for me in this situation? What's the purpose of this business? How much money does he want me to make? How does he want me to make it? 
This, to me, becomes a financial conversation which greatly increased my faith and it left me questioning how paid church staff members can actually be that helpful in this area of financial faith. Especially business people in a church who face a very different environment, especially those who are just starting off and have no predictable cash flow that's coming in. They're just going, well, this has got to build somehow. That leads on to another point that ex-staff members can freely serve other people without any prospect of financial gain as a result if they leave that paid environment. Just look at our relationship. At one point, I was a paid church staff member and you attended a group. Uh, well, we, we were in the leadership team and we led together. In that environment, there's always an edge to it to me. Like I am in a relationship with you. However, you are giving to the organisation that pays me. There's a bit of circularity about the implied financial relationship, which I found quite uncomfortable. And I've mostly led my life not being paid by a church and discovered in the course of time the reason that it was, in fact, that point there, that if I'm helping people, there's an expectation they're going to be paying the church because I'm helping them or doing something well. Now, if I break that link, I can meet more freely, pick and choose, but serve an individual without any prospect of financial return. To me, that servant nature actually helps me enter the kingdom. That's what Jesus said, of servanthood. And that's just part of the system. I'm not criticising anyone by it, but that's just the way it is. I've seen the opposite side of that as well coming from the other end, and that is some people who may be in a great financial position thinking that they own the system because of what they're giving to it. If we want to go there, I think that's true. There's a couple of sides to that. I mean, say you're leading a church and you have a very big giver and you set budgets, including staff members' salary, that's contingent on that person being there and they're showing signs of not wanting to be there, what do you do? I've been in that position. Yeah. I was actually very happy with the way I responded to that because I actually felt like God spoke to me about our caregiver leaving the church. So I prepared for it, told the staff, prepared our budgeting ahead of plan for this person to leave. But I didn't want them to leave. This is where this is a real messy kind of servanthood relationship that Mm. goes on around being paid to serve people. I'd like to move on to another point. Yeah. Is it possible that ex-staff members can actually serve people better than when they're within the bounds of a paid role in the church? For me, it's very difficult to come to grips with what we just talked about. It's very difficult to go, okay, it is possible. If I want the best for you, but if the best for you means that you're not a part of this church or you're not giving to this church or you're not serving and using your leadership in this church, am I free to do that? That's the correct point. Am I free within my environment to promote a different future that doesn't serve the vision of the church that I'm working for? Yeah, because you're serving the people, but you're being paid to serve the corporation that will call the church. And it'll have goals and strategies and visions and KPIs. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember getting hauled over the carpet because a key couple left the church I was a part of Mm -hmm. and they cited me. And the reason why they cited me was they were too weak to tell the senior pastor the real reason. So use me as a scapegoat. I didn't appreciate it. But then they come back to me. What have you said? Blah, blah, blah. I go, just because they're gutless. I mean, well, don't blame me. Get your facts straight, buddy. That speaks heaps itself around some of the negative emotional ties that can happen because why would anyone have any concerns to say, hey, we're moving on? (laughs) The next staff member is now free to be more human. Is that Yeah, number 10, we're up to, Steve. I think everybody agrees in principle that no person is without sin. Yet when people discover something specific about a paid staff member, 
that they've done wrong, somehow <laughs> people get shocked. They're quite willing to live with this dichotomy. Everybody sins, but this person sinned. If you're not supposed to, you're paid not to sin. <laughs> you're kidding, aren't you? <laughs> and the more prominent the person is, the more condemnation that comes. Yes. Particularly with social media, of course. Mm. And I think there's an unfair expectation of perfection, especially on, on more prominent staff members. When you leave staff, you can actually come to grips with your own humanity. You go, you know what? I'm not perfect. I don't need to project perfection. I can be more open with those around me and I trust and probably wasn't the same with, with our relationship. You knew more my, <laughs> my issues well before I left church staff. But there's a projection of perfection necessary to keep our jobs. We don't let other people in to know what's particularly going wrong with us. We can be more human as ex-staff and we can say, listen, hey, I've got issues. I've got problems like everybody else. I'm working through them. Um, things aren't getting resolved. You know, that's life. Absolutely. We only have to look at the lives of each of the apostles to know that they had issues they were working through as well. Yeah, that's right. Point 11, the ex-staff member can now be free to unpack various cultural layers that have shaped the expression of their faith outside yeah. of that environment that may constrain some of those issues. Yeah, I think we've already intimated this earlier that we come into any organisation, including church, and there's, there's things that have shaped it, different cultures, if you like. The denominational culture, I think the culture of the founders, that's always an issue in any organisation, particularly churches that have strong authority structures. Some of the negative aspects of that culture is the emotional fractures that come through founders and key leaders. It sets frameworks. It's often within any culture, it's not till we experience a different culture that we get to reflect on that. Or someone comes into that culture who's got a different point of view. This is why they say travel broadens the mind because we go and see mm. a different culture and we see the way they approach things. You know, it's, oh, I never thought of that, doing that. Then our culture <laughs> evolves. Yeah, and then we, go, we, we get more opportunity to reflect on what we've taken for granted. If we've only been involved with one church, that's the only culture we know. We haven't seen anything different particularly because it's a negative one, and this is how cults form, of course. And so when we remove ourselves as pastors or staff members or leaders from that culture, we go, actually, I can look at this in a different way, what's going on here. That's a growth experience, I believe. Very good. Point number 12, the ex-staff member can now be more free to operate in their gifts. We mentioned gifts earlier, but there's an expectation that church leaders have a certain gift set. That includes being a pastor. Why are they even titled pastor? I've met lots of pastors that don't have a pastoral bone in their body. Present company accepted. <laughs> you are, in fact, correct. When the cynical part of me says it's tied up with Australian tax law, it actually reads, in respect of pastoral duties, you get fringe benefits tax exemption in Australia. And so these job descriptions need to be written up that way. But I don't think that's the only reason. We have a tradition of calling people a pastor. We expect them to have pastoral gifts without really understanding what a pastoral gift is. Most church staff members don't have a gift of a pastor, and I'm one of them, as you intimated, Steve. And so if we struck one of these staff members who does not have a supernatural amount of compassion or mercy, we get disappointed. What then happens, of course, people operate in their own strength because of the role expectation of being pastoral or, in fact, other gifts or other expectations, this is where stress and burnout happens because people are being forced to operate in a way they don't have grace to operate in because yeah. of expectations of others. Yeah, and I get your point. It's setting an unfair expectation from a point of view of congregation members because the person's called a pastor. Yeah. 
instead of saying, this is a person, they have a unique gift set, let's celebrate what they have and let's cover for them what mm. they don't have. Yeah. Not expect from them what God is not giving to them. That's the whole nature of being a part of a body, isn't it? It is. And so as an ex-staff, you go, you know what, I can just be who I am. I can offer what I have to offer from God and not have to pretend I've got anything else. If you, if you want what I have from God, that's great. If you don't, find the person that does have what you want. <laughs> Once you leave the focus on the Bible from through the eyes of that particular church and their team, that ex-staff member can be free to interpret the Bible in a new way. Absolutely. As with culture, biblical interpretation can be very denominationally based. We go through training, we go through maybe seminaries or Bible colleges or other training institutions. There's a particular way things are interpreted and promoted. Of course, we don't have time or the understanding to question everything. If it sounds reasonable, well, we just move on. As with that same sort of issue with the cultural view, we can say, well, actually, I can look at the Bible afresh. I don't need to have my denominational interpretations governing the way that I read and interpret and promote. I found this particularly, for me, important with the issue of judgment, which we've covered in other podcasts, mm. that I feel people are trained to be judgmental in the church, where the scripture actually says the opposite. Any normal Christian will, will go to church and get hear things from the Scripture. And we'll, we'll have all these little niggles. Sometimes we're aware we have them. Sometimes we're not aware these niggles are saying, something not quite right about this. We've got life to live. I need to move on. I'm not going to dwell on it. But you can pay more attention to those and say, well, I don't really quite align myself with this interpretation. Let me read it afresh. Let me study afresh and see what I think it means for me, maybe, or what God is trying to show me through this scripture. And should highlight that there are some excellent teachers of the Bible within the church networks of Mm. Australia and the world. I've experienced that and I've also experienced those that have a particular message and they find an appropriate scripture that they can use, Mm. sometimes out of context, to actually deliver the message they want to deliver. My own experience has been that re-addressing scriptures over time, I've got that fresh new approach when I haven't got the constraints of a particular denomination's vision on it. Yeah, don't quite know which way this goes. I'm recalling a scripture where as Paul said of Peter or Peter said of Paul, that the untaught and unstable twist the scriptures to their own destruction. And leads me to two conclusions. One, that emotional instability and lack of knowledge drives Bible interpretation. That means that our Bible interpretation should be changing as we have more emotional maturity and more understanding. And so our position at one point may change because we've grown more emotionally stable or we've got more understanding and we should celebrate a shift in our position on Scripture as a point of growth. I believe that shift also then brings us closer to God and our relationship with God. I mean, we have more revelation, more understanding. That should be part of our journey. In fact, that's probably a good KPI to look for (laughs) as you're getting a fresh interpretation of Scripture. You might have lost count, but we're up to point 14, Wayne. Mm -hmm. So the blogger you mentioned got to nine. He might want to come back (laughs) with his view of our 14 points. The final one I want to touch on is the ex-staff member, if they have left the church, they're now free to prioritise their own time, how they're going to spend it and what they're going to do. For me, this is a big one. We all get a certain amount of time to spend in our lives, to do things we want to do. Any job, you have expectations of your time. That's set by the organisation, of course. Some of that you don't think is very well spent by the organisation. I mean, my experience has been with church that there can be so much internally focused organisational time. It's mind-numbingly boring and mind-numbingly a waste of time for me to be a part of. 
And so I have to sit and say, well, is this how I want to spend my life? Sitting in this meeting, discussing Mm. this. I'm not just talking about organisation. I'm talking about prayer meetings. Titling a meeting a certain way shouldn't save it from our prioritisation. Nothing is sacrosanct. And so we should examine, I believe, regularly as human beings, how we're spending our time. What are we investing our life into? Is it something we're called to? Is it something that's producing the fruit that God wants me to produce? Is it a good use of my time? And being in charge of our own time and not having that dictated to us, I think that's an important journey. I mean, I'm, I'm a very egalitarian person, so I, I don't go well, particularly where this is imposed upon me. To me, this is an issue of calling. Does this role effectively help me fulfill the calling that God has in my life or is it hindering me? That's a good one to finish on. I think that's a great way to summarise that some people have a view when a paid staff member leaves a church, it's a negative. And there are cases just like in organisations that you end up having to march someone off because mm. they've done the wrong they've, thing. They've stolen away. <laughs> Absolutely. We're talking about something that's right at the other end of the continuum. The reality is even in the work environment, I always remember sowing into people and if they left to go on to bigger and better things, I felt my job had been done. And sometimes we forget that you can't change without growing and you can't grow without changing. So quite often when someone as a paid staff member leaves a church, it's because they're at the stage where they can't grow any further and this is the opportunity for them to do so. You highlight an important point. Our focus in this podcast has been potential positive side. There are, of course, completely legitimate reasons why it's a negative experience because something has gone wrong. But in many cases, something's going right. The purpose of sharing openly about my experience has been to say, hey, actually, there's there's a big wide world out there. Life isn't over. God has opportunity and doors he wants to open to you, but it may look completely different to your past. So just embrace a new journey, a new adventure with God. He's not going to waste all of the investment that he's put into you over decades likely to getting to you where you are and just be proud about that and be proud of your journey and who you are and and really embrace a potentially great future. And that's a great place to finish. Thanks for your wisdom, Wayne, and thank you everyone for listening. Resources referenced in this podcast can be found at kingdomculture.com.au and online courses are available at udemy.com. 